Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Shut up and sit down. Hey everybody, Adam and John back with another episode of the Bullhunter Chronicles podcast. Today... We are kicking it old school, just John and I sitting here in the garage with some beers, just BSing. Um, we were supposed to have Frank over here today, but he's got the flu, so we told him to stay away. Stay the fuck away. None of that. So, um, But basically, we're just going to kind of do like a, a state of the podcast, kind of um, our plans for the upcoming year and, and kind of things that uh, we've got going on. And uh, so basically... We just got uh, our the turkey results for Michigan just came out, and the way that we set everything up this year was we wanted to maximize our opportunities, and we're going to use that as uh, a trial run for filming um, and kind of getting familiar, working together as a team with the camera cameraman and. You know, then there's going to be a caller, whether the caller is going to be the cameraman or, or whatever. We have, don't necessarily have that figured out quite yet. But um, so the way that we put in for our draw between John and I, um, Frank, his son, uh, my two brothers, and then Frank's hunting partner, Ernie, we put in across all the seasons. Right. And, Staggered uh, it. So w- what had happened in the past and I, I couldn't even tell you the last time I applied for a turkey permit. Michigan has a, basically it's the whole month of May, public land, nor, northern Michigan. It's not necessarily northern Michigan, but it's not like north of the rifle line, north of where most of the agriculture is, um, where you can just buy over the counter for the whole month of May. Put 234, right? Yeah. And so what ends up happening is we're like, yeah, we'll just buy that one and we'll have the whole month to hunt. Well, 
then you got this going on that weekend, and this going on that weekend, and then it turns out you hunt two, three, four days. John didn't even hunt at all last year. Right. And, you know, you you think about, oh, I've got this whole this whole amount of time to You got to the whole it. month and you let it slip by is what happens. And so this year we said, All right, well, we're gonna draw we're gonna we're gonna put in for different seasons. So I just kinda you know, took a like little poll, little litmus test for everybody. And so Frank and his buddies and my dad, um, they're gonna hunt the last season and then we put in for for the draws and I got the first season, John's got the second season, and then Frank's son's got the first season in a different zone. My brother Dustin has the whole first two seasons on private land, and uh, my brother Drew's never hunted a day in his life um, for turkeys. Is, he got uh, the same season as I do. Yep. Yeah. So him and John will be hunting the same way, the same season, same area, everything. So. I, Probably not the same blind because we're both pretty big dudes. So <laughs> yeah, guys are, guys are pretty big, um, but I think it's going to be fun. I mean, because it, the way that it is is like if when you get one of those seasons, it's only a week and it right. starts Monday and it ends on Sunday. So it's like you get one weekend and then throughout the week, right. and it starts the like the last week last week in May yep. or. Last full yeah. week in May, something like that. No. Last year it was April. six inches. Last or, yeah, April. Excuse me. Yeah, April. And last week there was four inches of snow, and it was terrible. Right. So who who knows what's going to be happening? But right. Well, I'm you know I'm excited to try out the hack suits. I'm going to start out the first hunt. I mean, you guys can hold me to this. I'm going to sit outside a blind in a chair and just try to do it the way the hex guys do it. So and We'll see if it's going to be a mistake or not. I mean, only got seven days, but if I can do it like that, that'd be awesome. And John and I were talking before the podcast is like the area that we normally hunt turkeys, at least where I, I mean, I've chased turkeys all over this property, um, but it's just north of where we're at, but it's in our northern zone. So like literally we could drive. 20 minutes, 25 minutes and get to the lower end of our, our, our yeah. Or we could drive basically all the way up to the bridge, <laughs> yeah. um, as far as, you know, and we can hunt the Northern portion, but... any, any property there on the, on the West side of the state from basically right where we're at all the way up. And John's got a little piece of property up, you yeah. know, in this zone. And then that's where our, uh, my family's cabin, um, not in the UP, the one in the lower. That's where that one falls. And uh, I, I think it's going to be fun. I mean. I'm looking forward to it. I'm actually, you know, I'll, I guess going for one week, or, you know, or having one week. Now it's more like I'm focused more on that week. Like, okay, I can't just, you know, push it off. All right, well, I'll get to it this weekend. And like I said, then all of a sudden next, you know, it's gone. Well, and I think it's good. And like, it's not really good for me because or maybe you either because we're going to be trying to like do some filming, do some calling right. and stuff like that. But like for like my wife personally, I think she's like, well, you're not going to be going all these hundred, you're not right. going to be doing all this you're stuff. You're going like, to be trying to sneak day. away for a whole month. Yeah. So I, th I think that that, that works out. So it's not like every single weekend in May 
But it might be if we're <laughs> if we're filming each other. <laughs> yeah, I think we got we've got enough people in the mix right now that it's it's right, we're going to be able to up. to break it up. And I mean, I'm I'm excited to bring bring Chris along and <laughs> and have him on film. Like my God, he's, yeah, because is he gonna he's gonna try to use a bow, right? His yeah, bow. Well, everybody everybody everybody's on board with the bow. Yeah. And I've got uh, there's another guy that comes into my work who's uh, like Frank's age, and I've been trying to get him to 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 bow uh, to, to hunt turkeys. He only hunts with a bow. He doesn't. He has no, he has a crossbow. Has no desire to shoot it. And uh, he shoots a dart, and not a split limb. He's a solid, solid limb, limb guy. And uh, I'm like, you know, you'd get along real well with my father-in-law. And you know, you got the whole month of May. If you would just want to pick a weekend. And then we got a new uh, a listener over in the other side of the state who we met at the uh, Mediator Podcast. Mediator Podcast, and uh, we offered up, you know, if you want to come turkey hunt, we'll call some turkeys for you. And he's reached out to me, so see if we can coordinate that um, too. But you know, so we're trying to get new people in. My, like I say, my brother Drew, he has no, he's never turkey never hunted, turkey period. hunted ever. And my brother Dustin can't hear. <laughs> a dump truck through a nitroglycerin plant, if you're familiar with Christmas Vacation. I mean, I took him and his wife out, and we were walking, and these birds were gobbling on the roost 100 yards from us. I mean, and they were just hammering. And me and his wife are just like, oh, my God, did you hear that? And Dustin's just looking around, like, admiring the scenery. Huh? What? <laughs> Nothing. And uh, he went out and tried to hunt with my dad, and my dad, who doesn't hear very well either, was hearing these birds and he's like, Dustin wasn't even turning around. So that's going to be real interesting. You know, so. Yeah, that's some hand signals. Be like, oh, I, I'm sure I mentioned this before, but I swear, like I called in the state record turkey. It was the biggest turkey I'd ever seen. I mean, I, I, I've killed some 11 inch beards or whatever. And this one was dragging on the ground, walked past him at 40 yards. He had a browning, BPS 10 gauge true glow sights on it. I mean, I know for a fact that that'll kill turkeys past 45 for sure. And, uh, he just let them walk right by. And I, I was calling and I had two hens come at me from both sides. And so I was pretty much hemmed up. I couldn't make, I couldn't move. I couldn't do anything because the, the hen that was with that Tom was just a bitching at me. Just, <laughs> I was just mimicking everything that she said, and she walked right over behind me. And then I look up, and there was another hen that must have been roosted somewhere else. This was coming to see what all the commotion was about. And I watched those turkeys walk by him at 40 yards, and I was like, what are you doing? Shoot. <laughs> I walked over there, and he's like, yeah, they were way too far. I was like, do you know what you have in your hand? I'm like, <laughs> get a, out of here. It's a cannon. And he's like, why are we moving? This is a great spot. I'm like, this isn't deer hunting like that's not like there's not more turkeys just gonna you know meander by it's over so yeah we've got that that going um i'm gonna get my order in for some of the uh the shred heads from dirt nap um want to support those guys like just a bunch of cool guys and uh pretty simple simple broadhead um like two blade Zwicky looking thing with the cutouts. I think we talked about it on one of the earlier podcasts and uh, pretty excited about that. And John's got a myriad of 
I got a ton of different broadheads and it's like, man, I'm not sure which one I want to use. And now, I mean, normally after hunting season, I end up changing up my whole program for indoor leagues. You know, I put my single slider on and all that. I haven't done a thing with my bow. So I've been shooting the full winter league with my 80 pound limbs, my small diameter arrows, my five pin, you know, hunting site and at first i was like i'll get to it i'll get to it. well then i was shooting pretty good so i'm like well you know what and now at this point i've this is my highest average year in leagues i just so i'm not going to change anything up so i might not even do it i mean by the time we're still going to be we're going to be just finishing up our leagues when when turkey season starts for us now that we are in the first and second season so i think the only thing I'm going to do is I'm going to build a new string and cables for mine because it's getting pretty, you know, they're getting pretty tore up now. And I feel then, like there's a listener out there that's going to take offense to that. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Our buddy Jim, who's been very patient, I haven't I haven't heard from him. He hasn't been bitching at me, but. I'm the conduit. Yeah. <laughs> I've just finished up some other projects finally and. The problem was my garage has been a dust bowl, and that's not the environment you want to build a string in. And I'm going to redo the whole set for, for his bow. And so his bow, yeah, before anybody's, before my own, his will be built and done. And then then I'm going to build, I got to build a set for both of my bows. And then... Um, Greg. So Greg, who had was uh, Dustin's buddy that was... It was on the podcast. Him and a few of his buddies want uh, strings and cables, tunes all done for their boat. So that's that's going to be my spring agenda. Get all that set up. I'd I like, think that's pretty exciting for you. I mean, yeah, that's I'm fun ex- stuff. Yeah, I'm excited about getting getting crap out of my you know out of the shop here and getting stuff set up to where I can. And then, you know, hopefully with the spring coming, we can get outside and start shooting again. It's nice to be able to just walk out and start flinging arrows outside. We haven't been able to do that. Yeah, so real quick, um, for any of the listeners out there, um, if there's any broadheads or anything you want us to, like, take a look at or shoot, do anything with, um, don't hesitate to reach out. Uh, We're going to be looking at some here. I'm not going to name any names, but we're going to look at a pretty interesting broadhead here coming up. I was just talking to John about it and some pretty interesting engineering with it. But um, on that portion of it, I mean, so John's got a couple of different turkey broadheads, but one, I mean, I think, I think that that stands, you know, to, you need to talk about that one again, the, the whatever that big giant sucker oh, is. My, the Magnus bullhead? Yeah. I think it's the bullhead. I mean, forgive me if I'm wrong. But, yeah, that I bought it last year. I bought a set of them last year, built a set of arrows. But my bow, even with, with my double XL, which is a milder, t- you know, cam, at 70 pounds, I just couldn't get it to, couldn't get it to fly real well. Now, out of my son's bow... At like fifty pounds, it flew perfect. I I was smoking it, but I really wanted to use my own bow, you know. And, and I could have turned the, I could have tried cranking the poundage down, you know, get it closer to sixty. But 
the problem was even after just trying two shots, you know, I set it up with, with that, that Magnus brought it. It does have like a lifetime warranty and stuff and it comes with an extra set of blades, you know, so you get three broad heads fully set up and then you get an extra set of blades. Well, I set up a pillow with a uh, sweatshirt over it and I hung it from a line and everything. So it had a lot of give and, you know, I drew my little turkey head on it for my trying to sight it in. And the first shot bent the blades pretty good. And I tried to, you know, like, all right, I looked at them. They were still straight enough to where they should fly right. Second shot blew two of the blades right off the broadhead. So I'm like, well, damn, that's not, you know, that's not good. So that's when I, I put the new blades in, tried it on my son's bow, and I got, I mean, it was shooting perfect. So I, of course, tried it on my bow again. It was hitting the pillow. It just wasn't, I mean, when you're aiming at a, a neck and head, you got to be right on. And that's the thing. You're going to shoot short, short yardage and, you know, lighter poundage is the only way to go. And so, yeah, I shot it again and bent the blades up. So, yeah. So for me, I'm going to be body shooting them sons of bitches. I'm going to be <laughs> shooting right in the wing butt, just above the the beard or <laughs> right over the, or right over the top <laughs> of them. But I also bought, I mean, there was another one. It, this is actually, it's on this area right here. Um, this one, which you guys can't see, is it was considered a crossbow. It's actually made here in Michigan. It's a big-ass aluminum ferrule, but it's got a four-inch cutting diameter. Do you know who makes it? Uh, I used to, but it is gnarly. It would be awesome. But there, it's like 160 grains, and... We'll take a picture of it, put it on our our website or whatever. But I think I would and we'll like, get the information. Yeah, we'll get the information on it. Michigan made Michigan company, so. But I got it. I mean, I have it. Comes when you buy it. Like I said, it was meant for a crossbow, but I figured I'm shooting. You know, back. You know, last year I was still I was shooting seventy pounds. You know, four hundred eighty grain arrow. I think it was. You know, I was just using a, I was using a full length arrow with aluminum aluminum insert just to keep that broadhead away from my hand. But I'd put the practice tip, and I was you know bullseye all the way out to thirty five forty yards. So that's what I was going to shoot and shoot a turkey with. But I just didn't get to it last year. So and that's a body shoot. Yeah, that's the body. That's a definitely a body shoot. It's not going to go. What's the cutting? Cutting there was four inches once it opened. So, Jesus. and that's the thing. I shot like the last turkey I shot with my bow. I mean, it was, I mean, years ago, and I shot it. I shot it with my uh, my Matthews double XL, and I was shooting Carbon Express arrows. What I did though is I took I had a three blade split fire, and then back then. You could get the muzzy backers. This was like a little five-prong star, you know, just to... So, so you want that arrow to stay in the bird, if possible. When you're shooting a body shot, shoot him in the wing, you know, break the wing, or have the arrow, you know, impede his flight. Last shot, he, like, 
kind of quartered away and I put it right through and I mean it it blew through like it was butter and that was just with the old double XL or I mean the the Q2 XL which was not a real fast bow 70 pounds but so I wanted when I seen this guy I'm like oh yeah this four inch sucker is gonna if it opens that was my only things you know my only worry was if it would open properly but you know shooting through a turkey you know it's it's actually i mean it's harder you know their wings and everything protect that body i mean i've shot them with my shotgun i've shot them with the 10 gauge rolled them suckers over and they got up and took off and flew away I'm like holy shit what 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 just happened there you know and i'm sure if anyone that's turkey hunted that had an experience like that i've done it you know several times where i body shot them and you know with a 10 gauge and 30 yards and you know what yeah let me tell you the the first the first the first turkey hunt i ever went on and i didn't grow up turkey hunting or you know met my wife her dad's turkey guru you know when i hunted with his hunting partner frank was hunting with his son so we put in for that was one of the last times i ever put in for the first season we put in for a season on the buddy system one of us drew, so we both got a thing. We went down to this little piece of public land, got out of the truck, and I was using my brother's uh, 870, three and a half inch, and it was like the lightweight version, which is a bad thing. Don't yeah. ever shoot that gun with three and a halfs, ever, especially with the turkey choke in it. Get out of here. It was like getting hit in the face with a ball bat. <laughs> But it, we didn't pattern it. So Frank told me, just put it at the base of his neck or, you know, base of his head. Mm-hmm. He'll be fine. So I'm a deer hunter. I don't, I'm not a turkey hunter. I don't know what the distances to shoot turkeys are with a gun that I've never shot or patterned. And I wouldn't recommend that at all. But that was the situation. So we get out of the truck, turkey gobbles right there. We walk in. 100 yards, maybe, set up, call, and this Jake comes running, like, right to us. He's 30 yards out there, still running to us, and I'm a deer hunter. I just put it at the base of his neck, base, shoot him right in the wing. He rolls over, and it was like somebody hit me in the face with a ball bat from the, the <laughs> right, recoil of that gun. And if that wasn't insult to injury here comes a 10 gauge over my left ear (laughs) and then turkey rolls over dead right there and go up there that was my first turkey hunt and it lasted about (laughs) seven minutes but so it's like surprised you can hear him still gobble yeah (laughs) it won't be long with the the ears and in my family but yeah, so distance is, you know, an issue. I would imagine. Well, like the the, I mean, we're gonna talk about first turkeys. My first turkey kill was up north of Old Luther. This is back when we we couldn't even hunt down here, you know. And it was, I was using my uncle Ray's 
11. What was it? No, he didn't have 11.87. But it was a 12-gauge, 3-inch. You know, there wasn't the 3.5-inch mag. My dad had the old freaking 10-gauge single shot next to me. We had hunted all day, and the storm was blowing in. And all of a sudden, it started thunder and lightning off in a distance. And all of a sudden, these birds just started gobbling. Like, so we got set up. Uncle Frank's calling. He's back behind us. We're on the edge of this field, and they'd they'd like kind of did some clear cut on the edge of this field, and the brush was all piled up. So my dad and I are laying down on this brush, and here comes these jakes, and there's like three or four of them. They're coming across this field, and the whole plan was like, all right, we'll get in. They'll get in close. You shoot the first one, and then my dad was going to shoot the second one because he had the ten gauge. Well, these birds come in. Well, when I laid down, I had these little saplings and stuff in front of me. And this had the longer barrel, and I didn't realize, you know, shit, I can't. These birds come in to our right. Well, I couldn't get over on the birds, and they're sitting there, and they got, you know, they got into about 20 yards, and then just stopped. You know, they're hung up at this point. Well, I gave my dad, shoot. And I'm like, I can't. Shoot. I can't. Finally, boom, the freaking 10 gauge goes off, and one rolls, and all of a sudden, the other two or three or whatever it was, they, you know, they're, these are all jakes. There's no big long beards or anything. They start running out across this field. So I jump up. I'm like, which is, I don't recommend this running, trying to run through these little shit tangles and brush with a loaded, you know, shotgun. But I did it and I got on the edge of that field. And by this time they're about 50 yards out and they're just starting. I mean, they're starting to freaking take flight. So I pull up and I just, I almost just, you know, pulled the trigger like out of adrenaline. But I just remember trying to lead him a little bit. We used to do a little bit of skeet shooting, trap shooting. So pulled up and actually took my time for a second and touched off and that bird piled up, went down like, holy shit, I got him. So I go running out there and he's still flopping. I'm like, what do I do? And they're like, ring his neck. I grab that sucker by his neck and he's freaking beating the shit out of me. <laughs> you know, and they're all laughing. And needless to say, I, you know, I run up. I'm trying to ring this freaking turkey's neck. And, you know, I think Uncle Frank took it and put his knee on it or whatever. Just about that time, the freaking storm hits us. I mean, it was just a freaking downpour. We all were drenched rats but that was my first turkey so yeah as far i mean i don't think we're changing up our bow setups too much um for turkey this year i'm going to be using the uh so we got we, we had mentioned it before we got those uh couple carbon fixation sites from buck rub archery over in wisconsin and um i still think it's an amazing site for the midwest like whitetail tree stand hunter um, Frank's been using it. So Frank started the year with his, um, what is it? Apex. Apex holographic site. And he was just shooting terrible, terrible, terrible. And, uh, a lot of things in play there, but so yeah, he, he had some issues because last year we'd put a lens in and we put a, a clarifier and his peep and everything. Well, then he had his cataract surgery. So now all of a sudden he can see. And so it was, I mean, it was all off. So we switched over to that site and he's 
super happy with it. I mean, he's been shooting a lot better um, when he he keeps trying to, like, gap the pins. Um, And that's what I don't understand. You mean the whole... The whole idea behind the sliding. Yeah, the slider is... I mean, where that's... My issue this year has been, like I said, I didn't change mine. I normally have the slider, and I know, you know, okay... The, the problem with our league is we shoot from seven yards out to 30 yards. And when you're at your seven yards, you have to use, I use my 30-yard pin. When I'm at the 10 yards, I use my 20-yard pin or, you know, a little bit. Well, he he uses one and then he, oh, no. You know, no ne- I, yeah, the next time I'll use the other one right. and I'll use this one and then I'll try, I try to shoot the middle of them and I... He's adjusting things, and it's like no, you, you kind of got to stick with. But the pin gap in part, you know, like that's where I've had my issues. From our, you know, I have a twenty, thirty, forty, fifty, sixty pin on our twenty fives. You know, I'm sitting there trying to do the pin gap, and that's where I end up usually having my issue. But that's a whole other story. But but yeah, so Frank, it's like you got the slider. Set your twenty yard pin. And then go from there, you know, 20, 25, 30. Then we get up close, use either your 20 or set it 25. Just a matter of getting up there and figuring, figuring out. out which one it is. Yeah. yeah. And but then you don't and you write don't do it down. That. But, but yeah, maybe. so I'm, I'm going to be using that site. Oh, oh. baseball bat down. I'm going to be using that that site for for turkeys and kind of doing like a field test on it because the thing weighs like nothing, nothing. And um, so when I put mine on my bow, I did not read the instructions, and it said like do not pat, do not tighten past something like that. So I cranked that sucker down and I cracked the, just cracked like a little bit, but then I was like, like I don't know. You know, how durable is it going to be? So I want to, before I give like a real good, hard, like review of the site, because the site itself, the idea, everything is perfect. Right. I mean, the amount of uh, fiber that's on it, the the way that it's set up, the way that the pins move out of the way. I mean, I've shot it on my bow, which is 70 pounds, 29 and a half. It's now 30-inch draw length. I had to lengthen that. Um, but 440-something, 442-grain arrow, um, I can shoot 82 yards with it. So 82 yards in in the housing that, that's there. I think for any hunter. Any hunter. You're not, I mean, you're not going to go past that. I mean, you know, if if you're out west – Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, but I mean, for like what I mean, practically I mean Yeah. I, for practical purpose. Yeah, I don't I don't see I don't see anything that that site isn't going to get you. Um but I want to take it out and bang it around in the woods right. for a while. It, it be, just be, before I say, you know, what it is. I don't really want to drop it out of a tree because <laughs> I don't want to drop my bow. Um but I think that that would be you know, a real test. Um, for it but that would just be to like see if I could break it and 
I think I think if you try hard enough to break anything, you're going to be able to break it. So right, but I mean, but that's a that's something that happens. I've dropped my bow. I don't know how many times, or you know, even if not even half, you know, dropping it down and losing grip on your rope. You know, when you're in a tree stand and having it slide down, bonk against the tree. My problem is that bitch getting caught in like limbs and stuff, and you're just yanking it, bringing it up. Yeah, that's. That's like the bow ropes are the bane of my existence. Like I absolutely hate bow ropes. Well, that's that's there. That's one of the things that we didn't get into is, you know, switching from from our climbers because now you don't have any limbs or anything. You're going up a pole tree, right? So for the most part, you can pull your bow up and it's straight, clean. When you start bobbing and weaving, going up these trees that are all gnarly, you're like, oh yeah, I got some cover. Well. Holy shit, how do I get my bow up that mess I just climbed up through? And if, <laughs> if you climbed up a tree that has a bunch of limbs on it or something, one stick might be here, one <laughs> stick might, you might have like spiraled around the tree, yeah. and then your bow rope is attached to your fanny pack or or whatever, and you're like, son of a bitch. Like, it's on the wrong side of the tree. Right. <laughs> that happened to me almost every single time. So you, you get up there and you hang your tree, you hang your stand, drop the rope down, the cleanest shoot to go back down and hook it up and then, you know. <laughs> yeah. These one trip up guys, like right. you, yeah. you better have your shit together. I hate bow ropes with <laughs> a passion. Um, but, but yeah. back, but back to Turkey. That, I mean, that's, that's the only thing that I'm changing up with my setup. Um, I think I'm using the shred head, uh, 440 some odd gray and arrow. And, uh, I'm, I'm going to be using that site. Uh, for hunting. Right. So. Yeah, so I'm not changing my sight yeah. or my poundage, just my string. Just because of, you know, the league. I don't want to change it all up and then shoot bad at the last portion of the league. I mean, if I would have had, if I would have been shooting like my double XL, double XL, like as a target bow, but that was the thing. I'm like, all right, I started the season with the hunting rig. I'm going to shoot a whole season with it the whole league season with the my hunt rig not change it up so with that i've uh switched over I'm, i've been shooting I, so i started this league shooting with john's wise choice which is three finger carter release and i've wanted to go to a thumb release maybe to see what all the hype was about i, I don't know um, well, you started actually with the. I didn't start the league. I, I shot like four arrows with it. Right. Yeah. You, you bought so that. the the true ball hunter um, is a, it's a caliper cal- release. So oh. like trying to do the mechanics like John Dudley teaches with tightening your shoulders and allowing the bow to just go off as everything compresses um, with a caliper release with that style. Is, of caliper release. Yeah, it that one in particular, like you had to push the button. It was like directly linked to how far the jaws opened. Right. It wasn't like it wasn't like a sear or anything like a trigger. It was an action like a linkage that yeah. opened and closed the jaw. So Yeah, so I wasn't able to get like a consistent release trying to do it. I was always fighting the release. So John's like, "Well, here, here try it." And then like literally I shot like maybe a dozen arrows with it like through our league until I figured out like that wasn't it wasn't doing what I wanted it to do 
Uh, so I shot that, and then knocked two. It came back in stock, so I ordered one of those because I thought, well, you know, it's not. I'm not going to lose any money on it if I don't like it. You know, they only put them out so often, so you know, it's going to be you know, hold its value, I guess. And John doesn't have one, so yeah. I, I got a buyer in my pocket. <laughs> um, so, but I've been shooting with that, and it's been so. I had a length of my draw length uh, to 30, 30 inches. We figured that out last week. Um, and it was just cause it wasn't comfortable. I was shooting fine. I would shoot real well or very shitty. Like it was, that, it, but it, it was all or nothing. And it, I think when I, it, just like anything with archery, like as, as I went further down the, like the rabbit hole of make a bad shot, then make another bad shot. Then it's like all in my head and it's like, I'm, right. I'm out of it. Like, Start falling apart, you start overthinking yeah. stuff, and then, but once I started looking at, you know, once you kind of changed up and, you know, were anchoring right, I noticed that you were, you're leaning, leaning my your, face, you're forward. leaning your head in, and it's like, no, you, your draw length, we need to, we need to lengthen it out so you're not, you want to be in that, what is the, your perfect form where, you know, the proud for me, chin up, you know, arms up, and then you look towards the target. And you were looking towards the target, then leaning in to acquire your peak. I already am collapsing my front shoulder because I'm... Right, because you're doing that. So, once we looked at that, now, we hopefully we address that issue and then... Yeah, I spent some time at the range yesterday morning before I went to work and then I was able to adjust my sight and got everything all kind of like squared away. But, um, <laughs> there's definitely a learning curve and I guess I got that one set like a little hot. It, and it's just because I think two things like one, I think it's new. And so it's not like worn in cause I was used to shooting the one that John shot thousands of shots through. And so it's not as smooth. So it feels like a little jerky. So I, we set it pretty, pretty hot, but, I've been fucking sending arrows like left and right. Like I got, I've lost like three different inserts already shot. Whoa. Five arrows through the wood. I shot <laughs> three errant shots. Like where I completely missed the target, missed the animal during league. And like, I've never done that. And every time, like my left and right's fine. It's just the height. Cause I'm like, I'm just getting settled in. Like, I'm 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 trying to find like you know that that comfortable like woo saw point where I'm ready to like lock in and the freaking thing just goes off and it's like or I'll be drawn back and I'll have my thumb like a little bit too close and just <laughs> like there it goes. You gotta have your thumb behind that sucker. So uh, there's definitely a learning curve of that. So but I'll be shooting that this year. Um Well I'm gonna I'm going to kill some birds or kill a bird with my silverback this year. So it's the Tweety bird or the silverback, whatever I've <laughs> silverback's going to kill something, I, something. So, so I think that's pretty much everything for Turkey that we've got set up. And then chronologically through the year, just we'll kind of go through these, um, you know, we got the total archery challenge, then we're going to be doing antelope. I have no idea what's going on for John and I for whitetail. Oh, and before that, um, 
we're putting in for uh, bear here in Michigan. So, um, which you guys have, you Frank, yeah. So Frank, myself, my brother, and my dad have been putting in as a party for like the last four years. I think we've been trying to get the first season uh, for where our property's at in the UP. That um, unit is like four or five points for the first season. And so we're going to do the same thing that we did for Turkey um, for bear this year. And I've, I've got another buddy that's got, I think he's got five points. Um, and I think we're all going to put in staggered. And the second season is like two or three points. And the last season is like zero or one. So there's a good chance that we'll pull multiple permits. Um, and I think for the, those of us that have four or five points, what we're going to have to do is just put our names in the hat, draw two names. Those guys put in for the first season. The other two put in for the second season. John doesn't have any points, so he's going to put in for the third season. And the third season actually runs into archery uh, whitetail season. So, um, but at least, <laughs> and another thing that we don't want is like, so the four of us and then my buddy who has enough points, you know, we've got 240 acres, great. But if we all put in and get the first season, we first. can't, we can't support, you know, <laughs> that kind of volume of hunters. Yeah. So, um, we're just going to have to set up our stands and, and with that, with the, the podcast, um, we're going to be trying to get some seasoned bear hunters, uh, on here to kind of talk about right. what the hell do we do? I don't know. I, I mean, it kind of goes back no clue what to do i've never even i've seen bear hunters in the up you know i mean like walking out with a bucket full of slop like wait where's that going yeah so i mean we've got a pretty healthy bear population even on our property um and they've been baiting them just to kind of keep them away from the cabin um, because they they used to come and rip the siding off of our our shed um and eat all the deer corn for the feeder. The deer feeder is a spun aluminum um, pool filter because they used to just tip it over and rip it apart. Um, it's like everything up there has been bear proofed. We've got bear rake marks down the side of our cabin from the bears sharpening their claws on the side of the cabin. Um, so there's definitely bears there. And we got tons of bears on camera. My dad's seen them. I've never seen a bear in the woods in my life. Uh, my dad and brothers have seen them while they're bow hunting, but not, not me. You had one you walked out one. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I told that story on the podcast or not. I was up there. We had some select cut logging done, and uh, they, we have one of the bait stations you can kind of see from the from the edge of our field, and I get terrible cell phone service up there. So, you know, with bait, they have it usually in a 55-gallon drum or of some sort, and they've got stuff piled on it or whatever. Well, you know, we don't really care if the bears, we were hunting bears, we just, you know, keep them away from the cabin. So there's just a cinder block on the top of this barrel, and there's bait in there. There's a camera out there. And uh, shit for cell phone service. So I was outside of the cabin talking to my wife on the phone. And we've got problems with everything up there. Porcupines, 
red squirrels. And this particular year, we had a problem with a skunk living under our um, our shed. So I'm out there talking to my wife on the phone. Look out there, there's a skunk in the field. So I said, honey, I got to shoot the skunk. So I get off the phone, I'm going to go do that. So I go inside, grab the gun, shoot the skunk, rolls over. So I rack another shell. I walk out there, and well, the skunk gets up and starts running away. So I shoot him again. He rolls over. I get like 30 yards away from him. He gets up and runs in off the edge of the field, and he's in the woods. So I'm like, and it's starting to get like dusk, and I happen to be standing like right next to the bear bait station, and I hear something rustling around back in the woods, and I'm like, well, I'm pretty sure that that skunk's going to die. I don't want to chase him around. And just get sprayed by a wounded skunk just to verify that I killed him. So, I I don't know. I guess I'm just going to kind of wait it out. So, I just sit there. I waited and then it started to get, like, too dark to shoot or, you know. So, I just went back in the cabin, you know, discussed what happened with, you know, everybody that was still there. Next morning, we wake up. We get up. We go all look out there. The bear barrel's knocked over and the cinder blocks off of it. Oh, cool. We're going to have bear pictures. We pull the card. So the timestamp on my phone talking to my wife was like 740. The first pictures of the bear were at like 739 out there in full daylight. And then, then there's no pictures of the bear. Then there's me on the camera. And then like an hour later, the bear's just eating on the barrel. So the rustling that was out there certainly could have been the bear just <laughs> meandering around down there. But I don't know. So they're definitely around. I mean, the one the one place like where I'm certain, you know, when I started like looking into this buck bedding type stuff and following along with that, trying to figure it out, jumped a big deer off the end of this little island right, you know, everything says that it should be buck bedding i go there there's blow down there's hair you know that i'm confident that i jumped a buck off of there put a camera up like middle of the summer and the only thing we had coming out of there was bears so i mean it, it's the bears are there i think that we'll probably have like a a good opportunity um it's just a matter of of pulling a tag and i think we'll pull you know there's a good chance that we'll pull all three seasons up there and there's tons of, of public land and that's why i want to talk to you know somebody who knows what they're doing um as far as bear hunting because they're there and there's tons of public land so if we've got two or three guys you know right how do you you know only one of the bait sites get hit so then what do, what do we do what do we do now so we got to have like that same thing with whitetail i suppose like the, a backup plan so we got to have multiple Right. Multiple plans. So we get up there and we're like, oh, shit, now what do we do? Right. And, you know, I think realistically it's just like any hunting. Like you're going to end up with, uh, you know, a, a limited amount of success. So every time you go hunting, I mean, at least for us, everybody doesn't get a deer. Everybody doesn't isn't successful. And, you know, to, <laughs> I think it would just be cool to, like, kill a, beer, a bear on our property Right. Um, 
you know, and, and never having done it, I think it's just going to be, it's another reason to get together and have a, a deer camp or, or whatever. Bear you know, camp. That, yeah. That, 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 that sort of thing. Or beer camp. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I mean, same thing, like equipment that, you know, cause the one thing that I've, I've learned as I, and okay, so bear, you know, they have so much hair. They soak up all the blood or a lot of it. So right, bear their their fur and their fat because their fat is more. It's not like like the tallow on a deer. It's more like soft fluid or blubbery. Like and so I mean, and Frank's killed a, a bear with his bow. He shot a bear out in Maine, and you know, so he at least has some 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 insight. He's he's done it before, but like. <laughs> I can tell you this. I mean, I've been watching videos and, and stuff, but it's like, you know, I would say most people that listen to this podcast are probably at the point where whatever their game of choice is, whether it's mule deer, elk, whitetail, probably more whitetail than anything else. But like, I'm pretty sure that even if I didn't have a flashlight or something like that, like I could gut. Uh, a white tail, like without even thinking about it, for sure. A bear, the fuck do you do with a bear? <laughs> and it's gonna be hot. Like, get the skin off them, and like, but like, trigonosis. Are you well, gonna keep the hide? Like, where? Do, how do you cape them? Like, what do you? You know, all the all these things are like one hundred percent new. So, so that's you know, if, if there's some seasoned bear hunters out there, I know Jerry listens. Um, and he's right up there near our camp. So I'm probably going to be reaching out to Jerry when we get up there or throughout the year, um, to, to kind of come in and, and say, Hey, like, look, what do we need to do? Never, never done this before. So, um, I, I'm pretty excited about that. Just, just for the sake of doing it, you know, it's like, it's a, another species, another opportunity to hunt in Michigan that we've never taken advantage of. And, um, so I, I think it's going to be fun. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I haven't been to your property in the UP yet, so. Yeah. It's, it's nice. And then we could also do a little bit of bird hunting too, cause you know, that's one of my favorites. Yeah. And I guess like with bears, like they don't hunt them in the morning. They don't generally hunt them just at night. So it's just. I have no clue. I'm never bear hunted so yeah i mean that it seems to be the afternoon hunts hmm. uh, you know so like uh, the third so it runs from like middle of september in into october and um a lot of people that i've talked to will hunt it when it goes into october they hunt deer in the morning and bear in the evening hmm. so but yeah there's i mean there's a lot of grouse up in our property and that you know i've been seeing all this stuff about michigan and like the the grouse populations or maybe it's not even michigan but the grouse population so i really want to talk to ron about like the intricacies of that because like it seems like i mean we were my brother and i were just up scouting you know up near my uncle's place you know 30 minutes from here and wandering around in the snow flushed a grouse like within 20 minutes so it seems odd to me that that yeah, well, they say the grouse numbers are, I've, I've just heard it, that mm-hmm. they're, you know, on a 
kind of a downward mm-hmm. trend, but but maybe, it sounds like a habitat habitat thing versus yeah. For, yeah. right. Like I mean, there's always you know like the the grouse are up this year, whatever the you know, but as a whole, it's been trending downwards because of habitat. So yeah, and for for John and I for whitetail, um, yeah, I, I mean. What are you thinking for whitetail this year? I'm probably going to be on the same kind of page. I still want to, I mean, my focus is going to be trying to get jet a deer, but I'm definitely not going to go without killing deer this year. I mean, I'm going to, I need, especially, he'll be 16 and, I mean, he's eating me out of house and home, so I <laughs> uh, should have killed a couple does or, you know, whatever this year, but. I'll just let them walk. But. So your your perfect season, how does it play out? Mm. Whitetail or just Yeah, whitetail. I would like to get on, you know, get some decent setups, you know, scoped up, scoped out setup, um, get Jed a deer, get, get one under his wing, under his belt, and then, then I'd start hunting more, you know, my, for myself try to get a nice mature buck but if it doesn't happen early then i'm gonna kill a doe i'm gonna get some meat and then then i'll go after a mature buck i'm not you know I'm, john sounds like every other podcast host ever no i'm not i want a i want a mature buck i want a nice no but i mean that was, <laughs> i don't i've killed enough deer to where i, I mean I don't care the points, you know, mm-hmm. I just want to, like I said, I'll, I'll kill a four point if he's fucking seven old. years old, <laughs> three, four, you know, whatever, you know, it's, it's, we know the deer in our areas, you know, like the spot that I'm hunting up there. I seen the mature buck this year and he, I got him within 17 yards. It just didn't work out. So I, so I heard something today. Like I listened to a podcast today, and they were they said they were talking about wind in your face and then thermals. Mm-hmm. And they said, "Have you ever been in that spot where you know the wind is good, everything's right, and then you get that mature buck that comes in and he just stops and he turns around the other way." He just walks out, and I thought exactly of that, and it's like he got your thermals, and like right. that's what they said. And so I, man, I just, just because you said that, like that was the exact scenario that they described. Yeah. You know? I was on a perpendicular wind; it was coming straight out of the north, and he was coming straight from the west. There must and, have been like a little yeah, eddy and, of wind or something. Yeah, and that's what it was. There was, you know, there was a couple little potholes. There, there, I'm in the swamp, and there was a couple little holes. And so, if you listen to Dan Infall, those little pockets of water that stay warmer, you know, in the evening, and they'll start to suck your wind. They'll right? suck your wind because that hot, the the warm air off that off that pool is rising, so it's now it's vacuuming your air down towards it. So, and that's it's got to be what happened. I mean, all of a sudden, it was just like boom. It was just enough where he was like, nah. Something's not right. And he just turned around and went right. He didn't flag or run. He just turned and went right back the same way he came because he knew 
it was safe to where he he made it that far, he can go back. See, so the only reason I was picking on you because I said that it was cliche is because, like, for me, I mean, I, I, I think I like to play the devil's advocate to you. I'm going to kill every son of a bitch. No, <laughs> <laughs> not, not quite. But for me is what I want to do is between now and the opener of the season. Like I want to have like two or three spots with a solid plan in place. And I want one of those plans to pan out. And, you know, to a degree, you know, the, the smaller buck that I killed up in the UP, I went to a spot. I didn't have a plan, like, before the season. It was like an in-season scouting thing, and it, it worked out, right, like, and- like, perfectly. But what I want is, I guess, that, like, validation. And it doesn't have to. I, so I listened. The podcast that I was listening to was with the guys from from bed to dead with, from, with Jason Campbell. And so I'm real excited to sit down and talk with him because this is one of the things like when we talked and I've talked to Jason about it before, but when we talked to, to Curtis, when he said that he was hunting the Jerry, that big 200 inch buck, there was n- nothing else on his mind. He let tons of other deer walk. And I've never had a, a situation where I like, I knew all the deer that were in the area or anything like that. And like every deer that walks out is like, Oh man, is this big, you know? And right. so, so like, I, I, I'm like really on the fence about like hanging cameras and like, cause even, even if you, I, I want to say realistically around here, it would be like a big hundred inch deer or something like that. 140, 150. I mean, what? I mean, so I've never seen a deer that I think would go. 140 in Michigan. I, well, so the one that that kid killed this year, that went 165, I saw him. I right. didn't see him when I was hunting. I saw him last year, and I said he was 130 plus. I saw one in the UP that was probably 130s, but I can't. I mean, the deer that I killed in Ohio, I haven't seen that deer in, in Michigan. Right. So that's that's hard. But I, I think when you say that you have enough deer under your belt or, or or whatever like there's plenty of room on my wall for <laughs> you know what i mean like i'm not right. like i i'm not stacking up these you know basket racks that uh, you know so it's going to be real hard to let a nice eight point michigan eight point buck walk not knowing what else is out there? And I think that that's like the balance. So like if I, I think if you have the deer on camera, you have a history and you have them, there's these two really good bucks or decent bucks. And then there's this real good buck or like a giant or whatever, however you want to play it out in your mind. I just don't know that I'm more of a bird in the hand versus two right. in the bush type guy. Well, I mean, I am too. Like I said, I don't even own a camera. I don't put <laughs> cameras out. I just go out, scout a spot, and whatever, and, and you know, see what I can see. But you know, I, I'm not. I don't expect to go out and kill a 150 inch or or monster bucket. I mean, because 
like you said, there's not a whole lot of them. Now, if I was like Dan Infault and I was out, that's what I was hunting, and I put the time in, like I would, I probably wouldn't be hunting some of the spots that I hunt because I know, you know what, that buck that I want, he's not there. So you can't kill what's not there. You know, yeah. and that's why I'm excited to pick some of these guys' brains because it's like that sort of like push pull balance of like chasing these ghosts or these these deer that right you know and i i like i say i've never i'm all i'm always just happy like when i see a good deer or like you know i have opportunity so i it's in no way shape or form like i said a million times like am i out there saying like well i'm the best hunter or this or that i want to get better but i don't think i'm at the point like right now where i'm letting you know, decent deer walk. And I think that for, for like what you're saying is like, how do you, how do you like handicap these deer? Right. If you don't know what's in the area, <laughs> right. If you don't know, you know, you don't have cameras, you don't do the that. Deal. And so you're like, ah, you know, what, what do I do? And, and so that, that's the, that's the portion, you know, I see guys that are, you know, doing sits, doing in, in July or, 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 right. or glassing in, 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 but, in August and, and try, just trying to take inventory. Right. And so I, I'm just like, kind of like back and forth on the fence is like, does that take away from like my hunting? Cause now I'm like, but I mean, I don't know, I guess you kind of know, I mean, the spots that we hunt, I'm confident it holds a decent buck there's always a decent buck in there i mean you can tell when you walk up and you see like some little rubs and you know like yeah it's you know you look at the the pot of trees that it's rubbing for one you know and it it's on the low end you got brush behind it it's not disturbed okay that's going to be a little buck you know if you got a bigger rub and you start seeing stuff back behind it a couple few inches, six inches, and that stuff's broke off. All right, now you're starting to judge the rack. Like, all right. And so that's like, I knew that there was a mature buck in this spot that I was hunting. At least one. Yeah. Right? And then, you know, like that same, the morning, the morning before I seen that, before I seen him, I had that six, I had like two other small bucks come through. I had, and Years ago, if I would have, I mean, that six point that come in, he just, that dummy just walked right, right down, walked right down wind and was checking a scrape with my wind. I was, I was hitting my freaking scent checker bottle and it's going right to him. Well, maybe the thermals got and, and switched it before it got to him, but he's sitting there putting his nose up in the air and I'm like waiting for him to, nope. He just put it, he's sniffing and I got, I got him all on camera. You know, and he stopped at what twenty yards in my shooting lane. I showed you the video of it. And, like I could have shot him right there, but and he was a decent six. I just I didn't. I would have rather that would have been a perfect little buck for my son to shoot. Right, and and like, but you know, back to the question at hand is like, for me, like the ideal season is like just to kill one early, and like because because of the work. Like the plan comes together. Right. And that's the thing too. I mean, if so, 
if you're going to get out there and, you know, do some preseason scouting and get up there and glass during the day when they're in their early, early season pattern, you're going to be able to see what's in there. You're going to see the, you know, especially if there's any agriculture, like if you're going to, where you've seen that buck this year Mm -hmm. that got killed, you know, if you get out there preseason, he's going to be visible. You're going to see him in velvet. You're going to see, you're going to have an idea of what's in them. Yeah. Part of me kicks myself for not hunting that at some point this year. I just never got over there. And it was one of those things where I was waiting for the same wind, but it was a different set of crops. So I understand that I could have like, I could have probably hunted it on a different wind given the crops were different because I think the set, the, the approach would have been different because I could have went through the corn from the other way on a different wind. Now, I don't know if he'd have been laying the same way. Right, he might have switched set up. But. but I would have had to walk across the alfalfa field versus a cornfield. And it was a cut cornfield at the time, you know, when I went in there. But either way, like, it wasn't, like, the exact, I was waiting for the exact same or, like, it, as close to the same. It, yeah, as repeatable as I possibly could. Right. And uh, it didn't work out, but I think from going through all of this is like now I've got that spot that set up everything like in my back pocket and another deer is just going to move in there. So, right. You know, if he was in there, there's a reason why that he felt safe in there. And if, so that just means the next buck that, and if know. I, if I go through there, you know, a few days before the season and see a nice buck in that field, well, I got a pretty good idea of where he's going to be laying on a certain right wind there with the crops. The way yeah. There. And, and, and so, but yeah, for for Whitetail, John and I, you know, normally would have a plan of like, okay, you know, we were going to Ohio, you know, we're taking this week and we're going to hunt the rut, you know, here at my property or, or, or wherever. And uh, this year, because of everything else that we're doing, I don't have a, right. I don't have any sort of plan. Now, if Frank were here, so Frank, um, I'm super excited for Frank this year. You know, he's got, he's killed a lot of deer and he's killed some pretty decent bucks, but he even says like he hasn't killed the one really, really good buck. And uh, so they went down to Illinois a few years ago and, um, you know, he's been to Ohio a whole bunch of times and had a couple real good opportunities hit hit some branches, did some things in Ohio and just hasn't worked out for him. So his his hunting partner that we previously mentioned, Ernie, is retiring this year. And they're headed to um they're gonna go to Nebraska. So they're going to Nebraska for a five day hunt with outfitter out there. One of the outfitters they ran into at the Hunt and Time Expo. And um just seemed like a pretty good fit for them. Um they're pretty excited about that. However, um, they decided since it's such a long drive to Nebraska that they're going to stop in Missouri and hunt for a week on public land in Missouri. And um, they actually reached out to somebody that we'd met at ATA, and uh, he's going to give them a hand um, getting on some spots and maybe maybe be able to get them onto a, a couple pieces of private property Um down in Missouri, 
So uh, hopefully that'll work out for him. Like I said, I, we are going to have Frank on here and, and talk about it. Cause I mean, between, I think Frank's going to come hunt uh, antelope with us. And I think that's kind of his, his plan. So for Frank, he's got, you know, kind of more time than any of us because he's retired and he's going to be, he's going to be um, pretty much doing everything that we're doing for the first time, you know, so he, he, our seasons are pretty, pretty laid out, pretty, pretty stacked full for John and I, um, between turkey, antelope, bear, and deer, you know, deer is like, well, yeah, we're going to do, you know, the best we can around here and, and see what we can come up with as far as, as deer hunting. But so Frank's got all of that. And then he's going to be hunting Nebraska and Missouri. Right. And they're going out there basically starting sometime around Halloween. So they're going to be hunting peak of the rut. Um, yeah, they were talking about going down and doing their uh, spring scouting in Missouri. Yeah, they're going to do that, I think, the week before we start turkey hunting. So yeah. they're going to be. And, yeah, because they're going to be down there when Missouri turkey hunting is open. Right. And he's talking about possibly turkey hunting in Missouri. Well, I'm going to be in Missouri too, so. <laughs> yeah? Yeah, I got to go down there and uh, uh, do some kind of contracting work, possibly. We'll find us some place to hunt. Yeah, a, it's an hour. It's an hour outside of uh, St. Louis, so. Well, Frank's going to be like two hours outside of St. Louis. So. So yeah, that's that's kind of what we got going on as far as our hunts um, are concerned. So we went through bear, kind of like whitetail, turkey, uh, antelope. You know, we talked about in the last podcast, but we're gonna do probably four or five days. You know, with travel time and everything, we're just gonna call it the dirtbag DIY because <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna be staying on the side of the road. And chasing antelope just. Yeah. I mean, I asked John, I said, well, what are you thinking about dates? You know, blah, blah, blah. I got this going on. I got this going on. And he goes, it doesn't really matter because it's not like we're going out there like for the opener. We're just going to be going out there and screwing around. So. <laughs> like, yeah. Gonna... Yeah. I want to kill one, but you know. Yeah. It's going to be just a fun trip just to get out there. I mean, especially I've always, I mean. I've said I'm like, I've always wanted to kill one of these some bitches. You know, we last year when we were the whole way out there, as soon as we you know hit South Dakota, it was like antelope, antelope, antelope. Like, and what was I doing? I was out there looking. Like, oh, there's more there. There's more there. Like, hmm. kind of got sidetracked. I was like, I gotta kill one of these guys. Yeah. Next thing you know, we're in spearfish and we right. missed a turn. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, uh, we were supposed to take a right there in Albuquerque. No. <laughs> yeah. So, and so like on that note, like we are talking about a little bit earlier, um, you know, before the podcast, as far as like, you know, after talking to Cody and thinking about bow setups and, and everything like that, uh, I was asking John, like, you know, what are you going to do? Cause you know, he's like, I'm going to sell this bow. I'm going to do this. I'm going to try that. And, you know, I, I feel like you're so 
on the fence about like your whole setups like all the time. Oh, well, so, I, I am. I'm always like, oh man, what else come out? What what do I want to try? But that's like this year. That's you know, like with the league, I man, it was shooting. I'm shooting so good, knock on wood, that I want to change it. You know, even though I mean, for shooting leagues, eighty pounds is kind of a pain in the ass. I do start getting tired at the end, but no, for antelope, I'm definitely going to build uh, some lighter, lighter arrows. Uh, I'm going to end up keeping this bow. I mean, I'm going to do some uh, switching up on my cables. Um, try, I'm going to try to go with the same, uh, same uh, little grommet that they use the splitter for the uh, on the bottom end of the twin part of the the cam and then my biggest thing is i'm going to switch up my arrows i'm going to stick with the 80 pound limbs i'm going to try to go with a little bit lighter setup get a little more uh feet per second probably end up going with a 300 axis shaft 50 grains of brass up front and 100 grain head and i'll probably do some sort of six fletch configuration whether it's the uh, aae I think it's a PM 2.0, or I might even try the Fusion. It's like the three-inch Fusion. Let me see. I got one sitting here. I'll measure it real quick. Yeah, this is a three-inch. So like the three-inch Fusion and a six, six fletch. So it's going to have some good steering, but a little bit lighter arrow, so a little bit more, you know, a little bit more speed. And then I'll probably end up going with the uh, probably the the tripan, an expandable head. So I mean, out there we can use expandable heads, and you're not going to get as much. You know, we might be shooting distance, you know, out to 60, 65 yards. <clears throat> so we won't have, and we're going to be in the wind. So the expandable head shoots more you know similar to a field tip so that'll probably end up being i'll, I'll do some testing on the, the fletchings and you know the different shaft you know sizes uh, you know whatever i know the 260 is going to be too stiff for that kind of setup so i'll definitely have to drop back down to the 300 shaft and like i said i'll i'll play him I'll play with the aluminum inserts and then I'll put some brass 50 grains. The, the only problem with these axis arrows is once you glue that hidden insert in, it's a, unless you, I don't know, maybe someone out there use a different uh, epoxy. epoxy or something like maybe a five minute epoxy, something that gets a little more brittle. So that way, once it hardens, you can knock it loose and you, know, you can take a, a drill bit, put it through the knock and, you know, side of the shaft and slide it down. Well, I did that with the brass, and all it did is mushroom the brass till the point where it started, you know, ruining the arrow shaft, and it never did come out. So, but that was with the, the epoxy that they send with, which is a slow cure, so that stays a little softer. It doesn't get as brittle. So, <clears throat> I'll do that, that testing, and then it's just a matter of just chasing them. 
little bastards. But the bow that I'm talking about selling is my double XL. Just I really, really like the ZT cam, but they're you know cabinets on the RX series, RX one, RX three. You know, you got the Hyper ZT, and the DFX cams awesome, but I just I just like the the draw cycle and the feel of the ZT cam. Yeah, I was going to ask you about broadheads because it's like having to do everything that we, you know, having to have a fixed blade broadhead for Idaho, you know, we were planning on shooting, you know, as far as we had to basically. And, you know, you're shaving Fletcher's at 60, 65 yards. How far do you think you're going to shoot an antelope, you know, and there's going to be more wind, but, you know, they were grouping pretty well and so it's like i don't know well and i mean the other thing too is like from what you hear about antelope they're pretty they're not as tough hardy as yeah hardy as like you know like white tail or especially an elk or you know some of the other big game big game animals so if you get an arrow in them like uncle frank likes to say you got a pretty good chance of you know, get taking them down, but so yeah. There's, I mean, when you got everything tuned right and flying, you know, like our our rigs out west, you know, for out west with the fixed blade, but it's only an inch and a mm-hmm. an inch and an eighth or whatever it was cutting diameter. It's like, well, with the wind, if it starts kicking up ten, fifteen miles an hour, you know, when we're out in the mountains, we're in timber. Or we were on, you know, side of the mountain where, you know, we weren't, we didn't have to deal with much wind. And we kind of knew that, you know, as we researched. Well, now we're going out into the plain states where we know we're going to deal with wind. So to me, it's a little bit, I'm going to try to, you know, bump up my percentage by possibly going with my mechanical broadhead where, I know I'm not going to get as much wind drift on the front of my arrow. And then I'll have my steering on the back. And then with that bigger, you know, cutting diameter, that's just going to add a little bit. So if I am off and back a little bit or a little forward, I'll still be able to punch it through and, you know, make a cleaner or possibly a quicker kill than with a smaller diameter. So... That's kind of my thinking. I don't know if, I mean, I don't, I'm not saying that's right, but yeah. anyway, that's just how. A whole lot, whole lot of firsts on this podcast. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, but I, I'm excited just to get out there and, and try. Like, so I think, I think maybe that's one of the things about Western style hunting. And, you know, we, uh, we could, we could be totally off on this. So, Take take this with a grain of salt, but I I, I totally think that it's not. I, th- I think this is real. Is that I feel like with all the hunting that we do, you and if I and I guess this would this would go along with more of like a a trophy hunter or like a age class um, inches something like that like you only get so many opportunities 
So you you elk or whatever you know you, you work all year long, all I think for that one opportunity. But I think with our mindset with the Western hunting stuff is that we weren't chasing a 350 or 400 inch bull. So the amount of opportunities were greater. Right. So it wasn't just the one opportunity. We weren't let down by that. And so that same thing I think will hold true for the antelope is that. So here in Michigan, if I wanted to spot and stalk anything, my opportunities would be one or two, I think, or it would be, you know, I would have to set out and make that my sole purpose. So doing like we had talked about before, like corn stocking and, and, and kind of stuff like that. Right. Um, it's very limited. It would be a different, whole nother, another ball game, you know? And, and so to, to get that opportunity to go out and say, all right, well, there's a whole bunch of animals over there. Let's see if we can go chase them around and then go find another whole big group of animals. I think that's what I'm excited about. Right. Like, it's, it's going to be, be a first, but it's not going to be like, I'm not going to, like Ohio, like we go hunt whitetails in Ohio. You might have one good opportunity in a week. And so it's like, yeah, it's just different. You know what I mean? You're not going to be limited on opportunities on this hunt that we're anticipating. Planning, yeah. You know. And, and, you know, like I said, we, this could be way off. We could get right. to an area and it would be a tornado goes through there the we, the three days that we're there or something. Um, you know, but, you know, all signs point to there's going to be plenty of animals. Right. Now, whether they see us from a mile away and take off and, you know. But that still would be an opportunity. I mean, like, all right, we have a, we can try to put a stock on that one. What did we learn from that <laughs> right. that we can implement differently? Yeah, it's kind of like what we were, you know, we were talking about in elk, elk woods was we felt like we were just wasting time when we were sitting, we were just stagnant instead of being dynamic and doing something. That's when we seen the elk. That's when we made, we made stuff happen and where, you know, that's what's different. That's what's exciting, you know. When we were whitetail hunting, yeah, you gotta you put all that time in, whatever, and then you end up sitting in a tree and waiting. And to me, I mean, don't get me wrong, I love sitting in a tree and freaking, you know, clear your head and, you know, see a lot of cool shit in the woods, but sometimes it's like, man, you just wanna you wanna go do something. That's why I love grouse hunting, you know. You can go out and just start busting brush and you know, if they're not there, they're not there. But if they are, you're going to bust them up. You're going to, but, you know, I don't know how many times, how many grouse I've busted and not killed or not even got a shot. But it's still that adrenaline rush of, of getting, of interacting and making something happen with it. And then that's where, you know, the this antelope hunt, I guess that's kind of what intrigued me about it the most is just getting out there and just trying to chase them and figure it out making opportunities yeah so i don't want to go to like down a completely different rabbit hole but what you're talking about so um this weekend this past weekend at the um there was a hunting expo in lansing and uh the this guy matt and he he'll i'm sure he'll listen to this because he 
um, does hunt. He's the hunt pod on Instagram. So he listens to all the hunting podcasts and he kind of gives his reviews and points in one direction or not. Um, so if you're not following him, go check it out. If you're interested in hunting podcasts, other than, you know, the greatest one that's out there, the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast, obviously. Um, but so if, uh, if you're interested in, in, in hunting podcasts, go check him out. But, you know, he messaged me and he, he was talking about elk hunting and he was at that expo and Fred Eichler was talking and he was talking about, um, successes, I guess. And so the success rate for Western or Eastern hunters going out West with a going and sitting in an area. So say like the area that we found on our last day, mm-hmm. um, in a tree stand and sitting there and just sitting there all day over there, the success rate was much higher than it was calling and chasing them. And, that kind of struck a chord with me because, and I haven't had a chance to message him back about this, but like I've been thinking about it like all day, like that success would be like, I don't, I, it would be just simply for like the trophy, like type thing to me, because like that our, our hunt was a success because of Wait. like, the interaction. Yeah. So, I mean, I would say that, like, don't limit yourself to, like, ha- I mean, and my dad kind of does it, and I, I totally get it. Like, you spend a lot of money, spend a, take a lot of time. Like, there's a lot of sacrifices that go into any sort of hunt, and so, like, it, even when you go with an outfitter, there's no guarantee that you're gonna kill, you know have have a successful hunt but i think that success is can be measured differently than just a harvest you know so i wanted to like get like your your take on that because like i mean i i think it's yeah if you see an area like where we were at where there was all tons of elk sign like we probably could have put up a tree stand or just sat in one spot all day long and not done anything and, and maybe we would have seen more elk. And that, you know, that might have been, like, say we ran into that the first day, you know, or the first, in the first few days. We might have resorted, you know, like, okay, one of us is going to go sit Kinda here. Kind of like Cody Rich was talking about with the water hole thing. Right. Like, we're going to try this, whatever. And then if they're not talking, but we we keep seeing and we go by there, oh, yeah, they're still, they're hitting us every day. So... We've kind of figured it out, right? We're not putting all of our eggs in that basket. We're not just look. That's not what we're looking for. We're not just looking for a wallow and, and then going to go sit up on it, you know, the whole time. But that would have been an option to where, okay, yeah, well, we're not seeing them. They're not talking, you know, all right, one of us goes sit at this wallow. Maybe we found another one over here and just try to, you know, catch them coming through. I yeah. mean, and that would that would still be excess. It wouldn't be as adrenaline pumping it. I mean, as you know, screaming at each other and, you know, raking trees and breaking down, you know, branches. And I mean, to that, for me, that was a success. You know, I've said it, I don't know, everyone, people that listen to this, 
you know. But it, but it just gives me like a whole nother like, and so like listening to you talk about that and and and, and saying everything like kind of gives me like a whole nother like perspective because like whether it be elk or whitetail. Now I know that people do it, uh, especially uh, you know for for both. I don't have any experience with knowing people that do it for elk, but I'm sure that it happens. But with whitetails, you hear about it more with like rifle hunters. But like exactly what we're talking about with antelope is like, and I guess I've done it with pheasants. I know for a fact that I've done it with pheasants, turkeys, a little bit. But like driving around and looking for them, could you imagine like? For like whitetail, if like that was your hunting strategy, it's like I'm gonna. I mean, in, like I said, it, it's a real thing. Like I know, and you know, in talking with Chad from the Backcountry Rookies, he was saying like that's what they do on these big things in Texas is they drive around, and they see a deer, and then they they shoot it. But like if you said, all right, well, I'm gonna go drive around and see a nice buck, and like I'm gonna be like, all right, well, we're gonna put a stock on him. Like that would not necessarily be like the same whitetail hunting as like what gets my blood up but that's exactly what we're talking about doing for antelope because that's like the well i mean but it, i mean around here it, that just don't happen i mean we don't have big enough properties really i mean i would or that kind of permission <laughs> exactly yeah. that's what i'm saying it's like you get out you get out in the in the plain states and you got you know thousands of acres of public land and you got these animals that happen to be antelope and you can see them and then you can kind of try to, you know, it's not like you're going to just see them step out of the truck and shoot them at 400 yards of the rifle. No, you're sneaking in and I mean, you got to get in, in within bow range. So whatever your comfortable range is, you know, 50, 60 yards, that to me, I mean, that's exciting. I'm like, you, you, you know, I'm not excited about crawling across some gravel and, you know, these gnarly rocks and cactus and all that shit. But now that's what, you know, like when we do corn stalking around here, when you can find the right conditions, like it's a windy day and you have the right situation where you have a field that you can do it in and you still have standing corn, you know, and you can get in there. It's, you know, you have access to it. I'd do that all day long. That's a, that's a ton of fun. You're you're being dynamic. You're doing something. You're not just sitting in a tree waiting for it to happen. You're making it happen. You know, it's kind of like with the hunting public guys. Those, you know, those guys see a deer and they're like, oh, you know, Zach. We're going to get down. Well, yeah. Uh, Ted. Ted and Jake. Yeah. We're going to get down. We're going to move over there. Move over there. I'm going to build a blind <laughs> out of like this one stick. Right. <laughs> I built a little blind like what you put two sticks up ted but <laughs> killed a real nice buck smoked the buck but that was the thing he you know if he would have just been afraid to move and sat in that same tree he probably would he would have seen him again but it would have been out of range it would have been point i mean yeah i seen him uh didn't get a shot they got down and made it happen to the point where you know they could have blew out a buck or they could have blew him out of the area and whatever but yeah, so it's just a different. It's that change of pace, I exactly. Think. And like, like what I was saying is like, it's that plethora 
of opportunities, you know, you're to get out there and to, to do it. And so like, yeah, that, I mean, you kind of hit, hit the nail on the head there because there's so much land and so many animals out there. That's just a matter of driving down the roadways and you're going to have another opportunity where if you do that stuff here, our properties are so small. You, yeah, you can get out and try to stalk that buck, but once you blow them off onto that private property, you, you're you're kind of done, you know. All right, I'm going to drive another hour and a half up to my other little 20-acre spot. I'm going to try stalking these deer. Oh, blew them off into the, pro- the private. Yeah, now I got no spots left. Yeah, it's a little bit different, you know. But I just, I thought it was interesting, like, that that was, like, the success there's more success rate like for the tree stand versus like whatever and like when we are sitting there from for elk like what you were saying is like it was like we are not doing anything like it's just like we're wait you know we got a finite amount of time like we need to be doing something yeah um but like as you know that goes right back to it though we we had seen sign but not the sign like we saw like, on the other side like there and at that point i mean you could that stunk like a freaking pasture in there and but, they were hitting it. But you don't know what you don't know. Exactly. You know, until, until you, you've been out there. So, I mean, for everybody listening that's stuck with it for this long and kind of got through all of our ramblings, like we kind of told you at the beginning, it was going to be a <laughs> shit show, but just don't pigeonhole yourself into saying like, well, this is the only way that you can do it or this is the way that these people say to do it or or whatever like take your own take an inventory of like your what you want out of any sort of experience whether it's whitetail hunting turkey hunting like because i can tell you this is you know for turkeys let's say that i'm facing north and there's a jake that sneaks up on me from the south and he hits a gobble 15 yards behind me i'm gonna be three feet in the air and my heart is gonna be racing until he comes around and i see that he's jake and with a bow i'm still gonna shoot him because i've not shot one with a bow so you have to take a little stock and like what it what it is that you want out of any sort of experience whether it's you know with with white tails if you've got a wall full of deer that you've you've killed and you have specific deer that you're targeting, then you have a much different perspective than the guy that's never killed a deer or a, maybe never killed a buck with his bow. Um, and and so that experience is going to be completely different. And like I. <sighs> You know, I, we talked about it before on, like, my three classes of hunters, like, where there's, like, the killers, like, the I just want to get my buck guy, and then, you know, the weekend warrior or, or whatever. And I'm, I think I lean in more towards every day, like, the I just want to get my buck guy. Um, not because I want to shoot year and a half old deer. No, that's not like 
what I'm what I'm getting at, but I'm just a little bit over the whole inches thing. Like I think you know we we started this whole thing with like the representative deer for your area and i think that that's like if you can exceed that and that's your goal and i think that that's realistic but it was hard to say is like if you don't know what the biggest deer in your area is if you're happy with the deer then shoot it shoot it eat it right have have some high fives and some beers i mean i don't know and that's why I was just picking on John saying that it was cliche. It's like, I just want to kill a mature buck. I just want to kill a nice buck that makes me smile. <laughs> you know? Right. I mean, that's to each his own. You know? I mean, I'm not I'm not out there trying to kill inches. I, you know, and or just to tag out. I could have tagged out easily this year or attempted to. I had plenty of opportunities to kill deer. Uh, and I got them on film, whatever. And it was just, I just decided not to. I was trying to film, trying to get jetted deer, you know. And so, to me, it was this, you know, successful year. But I just didn't put any meat in the freezer. So, I mean, that that was my mistake. I should have just done it. But my main reason in bringing it up, like at, at this point, is, like I say, whether you want to go out west to chase elk or antelope or mule deer mountain goats or or whatever it is mountain goats yeah that's money money but just make a plan get out there and do it and or even i mean you know if you save up a you know couple years or well look at frank Frank and Ernie, you know, they're both retired or Ernie's retiring and they've been saving, you know, they've never done a, you know, like a guided hunt or even a semi-guided hunt. And they found, I mean, it's, it's actually a pretty reasonable price. Yeah. I'm, I'm really excited to see like what comes of that. Right. How it turns out. Cause I mean, I was, I told him like, man, that, we we spent more than that on our gear. You oh, know, for sure. Going out. And they're you know, we've seen the pictures, they they've killed some really nice bucks and just get out there and and try something different, different landscape. Hey. Yeah, I mean just get out there and and just go for it. And, and whether that's whitetail, you know, if if you haven't killed a buck or you haven't killed you know, uh, a deer that you're chasing um, with a bow uh, in your respective state, just sit back and, again, take that that personal inventory and say, what can I do differently? Like, how can I, how can I, what have I been doing that hasn't been working and how can I change that? And get out there and just explore some new spots and, and put in a little bit more time. Because the further that we get down this path, and it 
I don't know that it's that John will say the same thing. I mean, I, I would imagine that it's kind of like indisputable, but it really doesn't matter about the gear that you have. Now, when you get out West, it's nice to have nice gear. Um, for sure. But I feel like for whitetails, the equipment is less important than the time spent. So if you have more time than money, you should be able to get on a good a good deer or a better deer than than you've killed in the past. Or deer, period. You're, I mean, yeah. If you just want to go out and try to kill something, just like with the hunting publics, you know, the Walmart bow and stuff. Mm-hmm. If you if you want to give it a shot, you can go and spend what five hundred bucks. Well, that's less the, than that. I mean, I'm just saying. Well, that's the you know Garrett Weaver. He did the five hundred bucks. I mean, I killed the biggest deer that I'll probably ever kill in my whole life with a two hundred ninety nine dollar complete bow setup from Cabela's. Right. I mean. Yeah, and, and you don't have to have the the best camel. Those guys are going out and you know. Freaking flannel shirts and jeans and sitting on a bucket, you know. Look at all the old Fred Bear pictures and stuff. I mean, get out there, find some deer. You know, the one thing I will say, though, is if you're going to go out, the equipment that you do have, make sure it's in proper, you know, in good order. Get out there and shoot with it. Well, it don't matter if it's a $200 bow from Walmart or Cabela's. Get out there and get accustomed to it and shoot it. Like I always tell my son, you owe it to the animal. I mean, and I'll always say that. You owe it to the animal. If you're going to go out there and try to, you know, take this animal's life, you need to be proficient with what you have. Well, and what I was going to say is like, so that they went and bought that bow from Walmart. And what did they do? They brought it to a pro, pro shop, shop which and was had it, had it tuned. Tuned, which I'm surprised that those guys did it. I mean, when they did, I was like, some pro shops will give you some flack for that. We're like, well, why don't you buy the bow? You're buying a bow from Walmart and you bring it to me to tune it. Why don't you bring it back? I've had, I've had this done. I mean, said to me in, in other fields of a business where, when I was building a house, and I bought trusses from one company and they didn't have a truss truck, you know, or a boom truck to put it up, so I had to call another company. Like, well, who'd you get your trusses through? Why don't you ask them to put them up? <laughs> well, they don't have a, a boom truck. Well, no kidding. You know, so some some places might not be cool, Bob. But just start, you know, open up the your Google app and find the nearest you know pro shop that will will do that. Or just go to the pro shop. They might even have some used bows that guys have. You know, I know our Johnson's up there. He's got all kinds of old used bows hanging in the back room that. You know, guys bring in and, you know, they upgrade and you can probably get it for a pretty good deal and they'll, they'll retune it and set it up for you. So just my tip though is shoot it till you're comfortable that you owe it to the animal to, you know, to be able to be a proficient shot. So that's pretty much what we've got on our plate. Um, we've been talking for 
you know, almost two hours here. So, um, there's probably no one left. I won't get, uh, into the total archery challenge, um, too much. We'll do probably do a whole another podcast on that. Um, but yeah, we're, we're pretty excited about, you know, the new things that we have that we're doing this year. And especially, you know, with turkey season coming up and being able to implement, you know, a little bit of filming and, and, and trying to do some stuff, stuff there. Um, I think it's good, just going to add a whole nother layer to kind of what we're doing with the podcast. I'm pretty excited about it. So and that's where I'll, that's where I'll end up testing out my antelope setup is the toll arch challenge. Cause that point turkey season be over and hopefully I've saved enough cans and bottles to buy me a new set of arrows. <laughs> you know, that's another thing, you know, I'm not, I got more time than money, so I might have to do a couple bow builds on the side, and it'll help fund my my expenses. So, so if you want to see John build some more bows, build some more arrows, <laughs> certainly check out our Patreon account. <laughs> that helps us out tremendously, and we're working on getting some stuff uh, on there for you guys. I'm I'm going to be doing uh, a giveaway here and. In April, uh, probably one specifically for Patreons and then one um, for everybody else as well. Uh, I've got some things that I'm really, really working hard at trying to implement, and, and we'll see. Uh, but I'm going to be trying to do some more stuff with that. And then when we get up during turkey season, um, we're going to be up at the cabin. I'm going to take some video of Frank telling some Frank stories, <laughs> um, you know, him getting arrested for murder, um, amongst other things. Um, and I'm going to do some videos. We're going to put those on our Patreon. So, you know, those guys will be the first ones to, to check those out. And doesn't necessarily fall into the bow hunting type, uh, podcast, but for, you know, for those guys that are, they're following along, uh, you know, with us and everything that we do, we appreciate everything. Um, and the guys that support us, we want to be able to give back to them. What's funny is we, when we were at the mediator, uh, live event, you know, for one, we sit down and the guy right next to Adam listens to us, knew, you know, knew about our podcast. And then after the show is over, we're sitting there and you, you know, we're all talking and then I wanted to get down, down stage. You know, we were up in the balcony, so we were up in the cheap seats. So as, what did Steve say? The, uh, oh man, when his, his mom picked it. The budget minded. Yeah. The budget minded or the, uh, but anyway, so, we're trying to get down downstairs. We get down there, and all of a sudden, some guy is like, "Hey, Uncle Frank!" I'm like, "Who's that guy? You know him?" He's like, "No idea." <laughs> like, well, Uncle Frank's famous. <laughs> so, yeah, for you guys that want more Uncle Frank stuff, I was like, I say, I he was supposed to be here. I was trying to get some more stuff on uh, on here uh, for you. Every time we bring him on, I'm going to get him to tell a story that, God, I hope I know, because the last one with the exploding beagle I'd never heard before. I didn't really know what to expect. Um, but, but yeah, we're going to get, get him on there. And then uh, the next podcast or two, maybe, um, it might just be me. John's taking a little vacation, headed to the uh, the Keys to do some relaxing and fishing. and Florida and Keys. So... You'll just have to put up with me and whoever I can wrangle uh, to talk to me. So I don't think uh, they miss me much anyway. I don't do a whole lot of talking. 
So that's pretty much all we've got. If you guys have any questions, and again, if you if there's any um, products that you have questions about or uh, any broadheads, anything like that, because we're going to be shooting some broadheads, that seems to be like the most, I don't know, like debated topic is like wh- which broadhead is better, and there you can't possibly have every single one of them. Um, so that's what comes to mind. But if there's anything you have any questions on, let us know, and um, we'll certainly do what we can to kind of get any information out there that, uh, that we come across or we'll do some testing ourselves. And, uh, that's pretty much all we got for today. Um, if you've made it this long, thanks for, thanks for listening. And if you've not subscribed to, uh, the podcast on whichever platform, uh, please subscribe, give us a like, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, uh, all of the perspective, uh, social media outlets. Tell us what you think, good or bad. Yeah. 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 We just want to get better every week. So that's all we can ask for. And we really do appreciate everybody listening. And thanks for sticking around. All right. See you.